brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. The horn is going. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a simplistic place of us. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tommy, Alabama did work on Saturday and it was a hot day. Uh, to quote the Southern Bell, the older Southern Bell at uh, the Watering Hole Saturday night, golly, it was damn hot. Yeah, man, this is that this is that one game on the schedule, right? That uh, we've been blessed to have a game in Atlanta for the past few years that has been our opener, whereas you know this is our home opener kind of deal, and you know with the fifty-five point spread and hundred degree temperatures, uh, definitely not a full house on Saturday. No, definitely not. I was sitting in the stands in uh, early in the in the first quarter, and I, I began questioning my life choices. Uh, I didn't go to the game that was in Atlanta against Duke. I decided to watch that one on TV, uh, and then went to this game live. And I thought, well, I should have reversed those. I should have gone to the indoor game in in Atlanta and then sat this one out, knowing that it was going to be the hot uh, the hot game. But uh, but alas, I was there, and yes. It was a scorcher. Well, man, also the game in Atlanta, you know, that I got to go to, man, you know, they served they served some adult beverages too at that venue. So I think I won I think I scored twice. Yeah, I think you won on that one. Uh Saturday, I'm telling you, at the game, uh adult beverages would have been a bad choice. Uh I can't I, I can't count the number of people that I saw sort of walking up and down the the steps, you know, wearing blue jeans and boots. And, you know, carrying like one of those 32-ounce Cokes and uh, like a platter of nachos. And I'm like, you people oh are just gosh. made different because it is too hot for Cokes and nachos and jeans. But, man, there yes. were a bunch of them. Oh, my gosh. Well, tell me, uh, tell, me what, tell me what jumped out at you. Obviously, uh, it was a quick start to the game. Uh, you know, I'm sure Tua wishes it would have been deemed a pass because uh, he could have been over 300 yards. Uh, and obviously, this might be the only time Ruggs has one carry for 75 yards and a touchdown in his uh, what's left of his career, right? Yeah, that's a funky-looking stat, right? It wasn't even uh, an end-around or sort of pitch. It, it truly was a pass, and it was, it was all just body placement. Uh, if he had been a yard and a half forward, would it would you know forward? It would have been uh, it would have been a pass. So the mechanics of it 
certainly were a pass. It's just, you know, did it go backwards relative to the quarterback uh, quarterback's position? And it did. So it was so it was a run. Uh, I think Devonta threw a nice block sort of downfield. And it was off to the races. It was a uh, with it was literally the first play. So within the first, you know, 10 or 12 seconds, you know, Alabama had established, hey, we have athletes over here that that you don't. And uh, and of course, you know, Ruggs is, is one of the faster guys on the on the team anyway. So it was it was darn impressive. Uh, and again, I think you could see people in the stands like, damn, I knew it was going to be a blowout, but I haven't even sat down yet. And uh, and, and here's the score. So. Uh, well, as think, soon as that as soon as that just, happened on the yeah, as soon as that happened on the first play, I'm sure people were thinking, okay, we might be able to leave by the end of the first quarter here. That, that's right, that's right. We we thought about getting out here early, and we are well on the way. Well, I will tell you on that play very quickly. Um, uh, you know, Jerry Judy, you know, tried to get in the way of tried to get between the ball carrier and 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 his defender, but Devonta Smith. Uh, he was engaged with his guy about 15 yards uh, down the field and proceeded to stay with him for another 10 yards down the field. And obviously all of these wide receivers take a lot of pride in their in their blocking ability, uh, and they've all made uh, really nice blocks in the past. Uh, you know, they, they play bigger than their size, right? I mean, you'll see Ruggs lay out a guy, and he's 160 pounds. And so just, just – Doing the little things, man. I mean, we, we've said this before about, like, enjoy Saban because when he's gone, you know, it's going to be like, oh, man, I miss Saban. Well, the fans need to enjoy Judy and Ruggs and Devonta Smith because, you know, you and I in our lifetime might never see – and take nothing away from Waddle. I'm just saying because these three guys are juniors. We might never see uh, an embarrassment of riches like this again in our lifetime – uh, of three guys who play at a high level all the time, get do the dirty work, unselfish, don't care if they get the ball. If their teammate scores a touchdown, they're just as excited. I mean, the, these three guys are just a football head coach's dream. And any of them could be, and, and especially in this era where we see sort of the diva, prima donna, wide receiver, any of these three guys could could do that. You know, Devonta obviously caught the touchdown in the national title game. He could wear that on his sleeve. You know, Henry Ruggs, his first five or six uh, catches all went for touchdowns. And Jerry Judy is Jerry Judy. So any of the three guys could be the diva. And I don't know if they sort of check one another or if that's just their personality. And I think it's more the latter. But the fact that they're each willing to do the dirty work, the unsexy part of the receiver position, and they do it, you know, with enthusiasm, and they celebrate one another, that is that makes it that sort of increases the rarity uh, and it certainly increases the fun in watching it as well. Oh, absolutely. And you know, just what struck me about this game starting out is, you know, it was a good game plan. the The first fifteen scripted plays, you know, they did a really nice job of getting their players sideline they're playmakers okay they're 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 four receivers um or their top four receivers they did a really nice job at the beginning of the game of creatively getting these guys out in space and it was so interesting like you know the first play went you know uh the the, the fact that the fact that they the fact that they the first play 
you know, had gone to to gone to Ruggs, and then the next play went to Jerry Judy, and the next play went to Devonta Smith. Obviously, Tua has his progressions, right? And obviously, he he has the ability to 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 you know survey the field. But I thought it was neat that he got each one of those three guys involved early in the game, and the and the scripting of the of the of the uh, uh, the plays and how they got their guys in space to let them be playmakers. I just thought it was a nice start to the game. Yeah, I did too. I think uh, it was a little bit, you know, especially coming off that that initial rugs play. I thought it was a little bit of sort of the Lane Kiffin special, right? We're going to spread spread, you know, east and west so we can attack you know, north and south, and then, you know, there's a little bit, you know, getting it to multiple receivers instead of, you know, just one guy, and of course, it's a different roster now, and so I got a kick out of that. I was like, well, they definitely, uh, they offensively, you know, Sark and Lane definitely sort of grew up together, and so I got a kick out of, you know, seeing some of the uh, the transitive properties there. Oh, absolutely. I also found it interesting that, you know, when you look at the stat line, obviously, Waddle had a couple passes he'd like to have back. Uh, he he did have more looks uh, than the than the stat line would reflect with his two catches for the day, but you know because we lost a Josh Jacobs right who and and a Damian Harris who were so versatile out of the backfield, you know a young Brian Rob well not a young Brian Robinson but you know he's in a bigger role this year right uh, and even Najee Harris, you know Najee Harris had one catch on the day and Brian had none. You know, it's nice to have these four guys because you don't have to put too much on these running backs who are who are tasked with replacing two big playmakers at running back. Right. Right. No, what, what, I, I think that's good, and and I like sort of, and and we can talk about the offensive line and, and the blocking, but you know, I did I did think it was a little bit uh, ironic that the top three, uh, you know, longest runs of the day were made, uh, you know, obviously one by a wide receiver, one by a quarterback, and, and one by the third or fourth team running back, uh, you know, Keelan Robinson, depending upon, you know, how, how he shakes out uh, with, with some of some of the other guys. But I got a kick out of, you know, the top three sort of rushing performances, uh, you know, by longest individual run were not made by Najee and, uh, and Brian. And then, you know, and Brian especially has to be kicking himself – because there was a point in in the third quarter where he was leading a drive, um, all the way down inside, you know, the the ten or twelve, and they rotated. Uh, at, at that point, they rotated backs. Najee came in, and I said, "Boy, Najee's about to steal Bryant's touchdown." And sure enough, next play, uh, you know, Najee uh, Najee ran it in for a touchdown. But I but I looked at their both. I looked at their stats, and so Najee had twelve carries. Robinson had eleven. So that's 23 carries. Najee had 68 yards. Brian had, you know, 57. So that's a buck 25 between them, you know, with the touchdown averaging about, you know, 5.4 yards. You know, the two of them combined uh, for a stat line for, you know, a Derrick Henry or a workhorse singular running back. I thought uh, I thought that was neat to look at and look at it in that perspective. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's the, you know, Saban's specialty, right, of having the, you know, the the two-headed horseman, right? And so um, it's a it's a situation where um, Brian Robinson is one of those guys that we talked about that, you know, fans are going to see him this year and be like, who is this? Where did this guy come from? Well, he's just a really good tailback who could have started a lot of other places, and, you know, he just had to wait his turn kind of deal. 
Um, talk about talk about the offensive line for me uh, for a minute for the for the listeners. Um, obviously, we had a little shuffling uh, of linemen here. Uh, just talk about you know you and I talked about the Landon Dickerson right, and we talked about how the fact that you know Saban's ability to to bring in a guy like this, um, you know that can be. Uh, a big cog in the wheel, if you would. The fact that he has played both guards and center positions uh, definitely came in handy today. And, you know, while obviously, you know, Chris, you know, it's a shame that Chris Owens was banged up. Um, I, I think you got a glimpse of where the season's going to end as far as what position Landon's going to be. I think he's going to be your center when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, you know, it was interesting to see him move over. Uh, in one of the postgame pressers, um, you know, Saban got seemed to get a little agitated at, at one of the reporters asking about Landon moving over to center. And, you know, Saban said, you know, when your first two guys are banged up, you have to go with a third guy. And I think that was the first reference to uh, Chris Owens, you know, being banged up, that there had, nothing had come out last week. And so, you know, the part of me wonders, was he banged up enough that he couldn't have played or was he banged up enough to, you know, hey, let's, you know, We've got more than enough starters. We're still trying to figure out roles, so let's use this as an excuse to get Landon over and uh, and get and get Owen some rest. I don't know the the real answer to that question, um, <clears throat> but it was interesting, and we talked about this, right? You know, is there an opportunity where we see five you know players with experience playing tackle across the line? And that was it. That was that was the uh, that was the starting line. I'll I'll, I'll sort of tease. Uh, you know, and, and no surprise, right? This, I'm gonna, you know, this is not really a surprise, but I have it on really good account that Saban is pissed, uh, not just displeased, but that he is just flat, uh, you know, I'm quoting an unnamed source that he is pissed off at, uh, the performance of the offensive line that, that, that Saban wants to be able to move the line of scrimmage, reestablish the line of scrimmage, create holes and that he he is extremely upset that the offensive line isn't delivering on that. That Saban wants to be able, when you get in a red zone situation, now ironically Alabama inside the 20 went 6 for 6 this uh, on this day with, with touchdowns, but there were multiple times on third downs where Alabama could not, could not outmaneuver, outposition, outpush, you know, New Mexico State off the line of scrimmage. Um, and so that's something I think that, that the team will get better at because the athletes up there are just incredible. And I think, uh, and I think there's confidence within, uh, within the building that when Deontay comes back, that that's going to improve the running game, that he delivers something, uh, in, and, and maybe his pass blocking isn't as good as some of the other guys, but his run blocking, I think he's one of the better run blockers we have. And when he comes back, I think we're going to see, uh, you know, visible improvement in the running game. Well, as the color commentator said in the ball game, you know, former, you know, Georgia offensive lineman and, you know, first round draft pick in the NFL, he highlighted the fact that the, the guard positions was where the push was coming from New Mexico State. And, you know, they shared with the listeners at home that New Mexico State's, you know, uh, first string uh, nose guard was banged up, and they they basically kept him from playing in this ball game and saved him for their conference schedule coming up, and let him rest. 
And then they talked about the fact, David, that, you know, uh, one of their linebackers uh, was banged up and, and had a soft cast under one of his gloves. And, oh, by the way, this guy who's a senior this year led the nation in tackles last year, averaged 13.2 tackles a ball game. So I say that to you to say if their starting nose tackle would have been in the game and their stud uh, linebacker tackling machine would have been in the game, um, you know, that would have been a better test for this offensive line, right, to, to have to get them ready for the SEC schedule that's coming up. But I will tell you that Matt Womack, you know, he needs to seize this opportunity right now is his opportunity to, you know, finish his legacy as one of the five starting guys on this line. And um, right now I think Deontay Brown is going to come back eyeing that left guard position, and I think Landon Dickerson is going to land at center. And so that right guard is up for grabs. And and right now, you know, Emil obviously had earned the right to start against Duke uh, and then got pulled, uh, you know, got pulled in that game uh, for Evan Neal. And so, you know, I think it's going to be an Evan Neal, Matt Womack, Emil uh, fight for that other guard position. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and and I wouldn't rule out, I wouldn't rule out Chris Owens at the center position. And then, and then that introduces Landon back into the battle at a guard, at a guard spot. And which he wins that battle, right? I which mean, I think obviously, he wins that. Obviously, very quickly, and I guess that's why Matt Womack needs to seize his opportunity, because right this second, that is probably what Coach Saban would prefer, right? Because then he can put his graduate transfer uh, back at guard and put Deontay Brown at the other guard, and if Chris Owens can win the center, well, now that's looking pretty strong. Yeah, and I think there's a little bit of, and and again, you don't make decisions this year necessarily for next year but I but I think there's a little money in the bank for for Evan O'Neill or Evan Neal because he likely is the starter at left tackle next year and so if he can spend this season just like Alex Leatherwood did at the left guard position then he's he's just stepping over rather than stepping onto the field uh and so if it's even I think I think Evan would win that. And so I just think that really tightens the screws. Um, and I, and neither, neither of us are calling him out as much as we're just pointing out that right. the pressure probably is most on Matt. Uh, sure. Because, you know, there's going to be pressure from Brown coming back and there's going to be pressure uh, if, if, um, if, if Chris does in fact earn the center position back, then Landon's got to land somewhere. And so just like we talked last week about sort of the musical chairs in the secondary, it is a faster place tempo musical chairs across the offensive front, especially the interior positions. Absolutely. Well, tell me what else jumped out at you on offense before we, uh, before we do our mini game balls. I thought the slickest drive of the, of the day was uh, obviously the two long runs, but in terms of a drive, uh, I thought Matt Jones put together uh, a really good drive. You know, he was five for nine on the day, uh, but he let a drive seven plays, 70 yards uh, in just over two and a half minutes. And, and, and I, look, I know it was later in the game. I know the game was well decided, but there was a certain tempo that, and even, you know, there were a couple of incomplete passes, but certainly there were completions and some, and some good runs. And he just, there was a tempo about that drive that looked really crisp. 
Uh, it didn't look disjointed even when he incompleted a pass. They lined back up, ran a, ran, ran the play, and and they moved the ball down the field pretty aggressively. I mean, of course, we like Tua. He's not gonna he's not gonna uh, outrun Tua necessarily, but I just I, I enjoyed just that drive. It looked very crisp um, at a point in the game where you know maybe the defense wasn't looking as crisp, but but Matt uh, Mac looked really really crisp on that drive. And and that was that was nice to see. I enjoyed I enjoyed seeing him put that together and have that success. Well, obviously, you know, uh, his progression is key, right? Because you never know when it's going to be next man up. And and the way Tua likes to hold the ball and and float in the pocket there. I mean, you you saw uh, you saw early in the game where he had a couple guys at his feet, uh, and looking at the replay a couple times, you know. I'm going to tell you it was strange. It was a strange coincidence how on one play when two guys was at his feet, one of the guys looked like he really was was taking his helmet aiming toward Tua's right knee. And, and he just was able to glaze it and Tua pulled it out quickly. Um, but that particular play, it, it I was surprised that it didn't seem like he slipped. I'll say it that way. It didn't seem like the player slipped, and they were both at his feet. And uh, you know, it it was uh, it was like, man, that's the last thing we need against New Mexico. You know, obviously any opponent, right? But but uh, you know, Mac Jones needs to be ready because you know things can happen. No, you're absolutely right. And and the starters, I think across the board, both sides of the ball, the starters played longer than I expected them to. Uh, I surely thought, you know, before half we might take out. Uh, Tua, so Mac could get you know the last drive and the first drive coming in and out of half, uh, but but we didn't do that. We brought Tua back in uh, at half, and so I was a little bit surprised by that. To your point, you know, and you know, show our age a little bit, but it was Bro- you know Brody Kroll, you know, broke his knee against you know Western Carolina in one of these games, and so um, you know that's real, and so you want to get him out of there. When, when you can. And I think one thing, you know, and I'll kind of hit on Mac because you made a good point. He needs to have some reps in case something does happen. I think we're going to see two things play out. I think there's two storylines that we're going to see play out at the backup quarterback position. And one is we're going to see Mac Jones get, you know, more time so that if, if, if the if happens, right, if the negative happens, then we have someone that's not coming out cold. And I think we're going to see that earlier in the season. Then we're going to get a get to a point where we're going to start to see more Talia, and that will be building for next year, so that he is not flat-footed in the competition uh, against Mac Jones, because I think Talia probably has you know more of the upside. So I think we're going to see two things play out. We're going to see Mac Jones get some reps uh, for the sake of this season, and then we're going to see later in the year, you know, maybe some fourth quarters. And I'm surprised we didn't see it this week, but um, you know, I think. Saban was calling off the dogs and Alabama didn't score in the fourth. Uh, it could have been those dots could connect. But I think we're going to see some Talia uh, get some run so that he's not fresh to the field, uh, you know, come come spring practice uh, when he's doing it out against Mac. So those will be two storylines to keep an eye on. No, that's that's good points. Well, talk to me real quick because Tua has been known to be allowed to come out, you know, in the fir- in the first series of the second half in games like this. Talk to me about the fourth and two as you were sitting in the stands on that opening drive of the second half where, you know, Tua takes to running. Um, 
are you surprised? Are you surprised at the 47 of New Mexico State? We went for it on fourth and two, uh, up 38 to nothing. And then, you know, as two is running, are you like, oh, gosh, I wish you weren't doing that? Yeah, it was definitely one of those. Uh, it, I, I kind of had a flashback to uh, the San Jose State game when Julio did the end around. Uh, you, you and I both don't like sort of the franchise guy running the end around. And, and, but then he scores a touchdown. And, and so well, I'm glad, but then not glad. Uh, it was it was kind of that when when uh, you know you want to be able to make the first down there obviously and and you're going for the first down not the touchdown and so as soon as he got the first I was like slide I just yelled out slide go down um, and of course he kept running and scoring the touchdown and that's great right you want to see that athleticism um, and I think he's he's dropped a couple of pounds and maybe you know looks a little faster but. You know, my first instinct was for him to go down, get the first down, go down. You know, we don't, you know, those are, those are running steps that we don't need you to take against the defenses trying to bring you to the ground. Um, and so, uh, you know, had they tackled him and had he, you know, and again, it's exciting that he scored a touchdown. So I'm not rooting against that, but at the same time, know who you are in the, in the larger sense. And, and I don't think anyone would have felt bad if he slid on a five yard game. No, absolutely. Well, you know, is talking that, is about that me Matt, being like grouchy old man. I mean, I'm okay. No, with that. I, no, I can, no. There's I, I there's bigger that, things but, ahead. There's bigger things right. ahead, and it's just not it's not needed at at thirty when you're already up at that point. Um, so I, I don't, you know, but that's just not into his makeup, right? And and you want them to have that 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 you know gamesmanship of you know just you know leaving it all on the field, but. <laughs> That's something they need to work on. Obviously, he's doing better of, you know, taking what the defense gives him, right, and throwing a couple balls away. Uh, I guess he's not doing as good throwing the balls away yet uh, because, you know, he's able to fit a ball in a keyhole. Uh, and so, um, but definitely, you know, hopefully as the season progresses, uh, you'll see him, you know, just take what the defense, you know, I need to get to the chain and then get down. Um, you know, Mac Jones real quick, just going back to his first series in the third quarter there, I found it interesting that on the seven plays that were uh, called for Mac, that only two were runs and they, they let him throw the ball five times. And on those five times, you know, he had three completions to three different receivers. So the fact that he threw it to Jalen and threw it to Devonta and threw it to Judy uh, for the touchdown, you know, that that's very telling that when he came in, you know, how many times have we watched the backup quarterback come in and now it's just time to hand the ball off? The fact that he got in and they called his number five of the seven plays is very uh, a good sign for the confidence they have in Mac Jones. Yeah, and 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 just the intentionality of, you know, we're going to give him some, some passes under live fire. Uh, Absolutely. Well, anything else before you ball. do game balls? No, I'm ready for many game balls. All right, so I'm going to start. I don't think you're going to take this one. I'm shredding the mini game ball rules again, but I don't really care uh, because it's deserving. Um, obviously, all three or all four of these receivers are quite good. Um, but I wonder what Devonta Smith does just in the in the in the uh, in the weight room as it relates to hand strengthening exercises because you didn't get. The ben this is one benefit of the TV. Obviously, there's lots of benefits in person. But that catch that he made across the middle 
um, you can't even call it shoelaces. You have to call it the, bo- the almost the bottom of his cleat. And literally, when he when he caught that ball and it was straight up, the tip, Dave, the tip was the length of my fingernail from being on the turf. And for him to be running full stride and go down and grab that ball like he did, oh my gosh, that 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 is probably going to go down potentially as the catch of the year on, on this on on the team. I mean, obviously we'll see, but. Just that catch was phenomenal. It was jaw dropping phenomenal. It really, yeah. It, you know, Devonta's, and yeah, you know, sometimes it, last year at times I thought it was rugs. Uh, so far this season, I think it's, you know, Devonta's a little bit maybe underrated relative to some of the other guys. But, it, you know, and it's hard to say that he's one of the better ones because they're all so good and, and, and so tightly grouped. But, you know, he deserves that type of, of top billing. And, and I'll say this because, you know, we all know Devonta's a little slighter relative to the other guys, but I saw him after the game and walking out, you know, and looked like he was, he was with family and, and, you know, he wasn't in, you know, gear. He was just wearing a t-shirt and, and shorts. And you could tell the guy had packed on some muscle. This, this was a, you know, he was a strong, solid dude. Uh, looked like he was packing, you know, car parts and, uh, and, and so that's just a testament to not, you know, obviously you were talking specifically to hand strength, but it, it speaks to, you know, the workout, the conditioning, the effort. And, and really, you know, when they say built by Bama, I mean, there's a little bit of, you know, advertising in that, but there's a little bit of, you know, these guys truly are, you know, built up uh, within a program, within a process uh, to have some, some success. And the more natural ability they bring to that coming in, obviously the, you know, the higher they can go, but, uh, Devonta, I, I think he is on that treadmill and, uh, I, th- I think, you know, we've seen some great things from, from him, but I, I think, you know, some of his best work is yet to come. Absolutely. Well, give me, give me your mini game ball. Yeah, I am going, you know, in a, in a day where there wasn't, you know, maybe a singular, uh, event that sort of turned the outcome of the game. Uh, I, I'm going sort of deep and sentimental, if you will, with, with my mini uh, game ball, uh, I, admittedly, I didn't go back and look at last year's stat line. Uh, uh, Giles uh, Amos re, uh, is a former walk-on tight end. Uh, I, I believe he's seen action in, in games before, but I believe Saturday he, he uh, had his first pass reception, so it was a little five-yard, a uh, little five-yarder. Uh, it wasn't much to speak of, but it was exciting to see him on the field making a couple blocks uh, and certainly. Uh, you know, certainly uh, catching a pass. So that was that was great to see. So I'm going uh, Giles uh, Giles Amos as my mini game ball. Sounds good, man. Well, let's flip the field. What what jumped out at you on defense? I, I guess before I ask you that, let me let me prompt you for uh, to get your thoughts. Um, what did you think about the uh, the the starting the starting eleven uh, when they took the field? What did you you know? Obviously, you have a really good view of this when you're in the stands. You know when they when they first came on the field, what did you think about the makeup of uh, of who started the game on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, that was definitely the first thing that, that caught my eye. Um, I started sort of doing a double check on some of the numbers. You expect you know who you're going to see and what numbers you're going to see, and you start seeing different numbers. You know, come out on defense, especially the secondary, and I always try to count the the the, the backs and uh, the the DBs. 
And and so, you know, rolling out we're rolling out in a dime against a team that, you know, passes the ball seventy percent of the time. And I'll start seeing, wait a second, these are different numbers than I'm expecting to to see right now. And so we started with uh, you know, May, uh, Maiden stepped in at the star. Uh, uh, Patrick Sertain moved in for Job, so Job was out. Uh, Shark Carter in the dime uh, didn't start, but we saw freshman Jordan Battle and uh, and Daniel Wright. I think he's a redshirt sophomore uh, with injury last year. Uh, you know, stepping in and playing. So that's two guys that were in that were a little bit of a surprise. I would have, you know, we saw dime last week with, uh, um, you know, certainly Job uh, at one of the, the corner spots and Shy Carter in with Maiden. And so it's a little bit of a Rubik's Cube when someone comes in, you know, we don't just, we don't always sort of just, he comes in for another guy and it's sort of a one-on-one tran- uh, transaction. When when sort of guys move around, it becomes, you know, sort of a, a multiple. And, and, and what I what I had heard or what I have heard. And again, I'm, you know, I, I hate to say sources, but maybe this is sourced a little bit is that the intent was to bring maiden in at the star, not necessarily to take Job out at the corner, but what you do when you bring maiden in and give him run at the, at the star, uh, then, you know, Patrick certain, if you do a one for one transaction, then certain goes out, but you're not going to take him out, right? He's one of the best back there. And so he's going to slide back over to, to corner. So that takes um, that takes uh, <laughs> that takes uh, Job out, um, and we have to edit that out and tighten that up. But um, you know, and then we're bringing in a dime, and so you know you're bringing in two more two more uh, you know two more secondary guys, and it's not shy, but it's Daniel and. It's Daniel and, and the freshman. And so I was a little bit surprised trying to figure that out. And, you know, and again, I'm, you know, this is not journalism by any stretch of the imagination, but theorizing in the stand, and then I had the opportunity to sort of test this theory, uh, you know, later in later in the evening. But my theory was, well, that's interesting because that's four safeties back there. And so are we intentionally doing something where we're going to run a dime, but, you know, not dissimilar to what you and I talked about last week, uh, run a dime, walk someone up, and so are we playing a dime, but a you know call it a bigger dime or a safety dime? Are we doing that with any sort of intentionality? And so that was a question that I had an opportunity to ask. Um, and the answer, you know, the answer was no. It wasn't that we were trying to get a you know a bigger dime on the field, but it's just personnel groupings, and that we wanted to get a look at uh, Maiden at the star position, and then sort of the ripple effect across. And I know that's a longer answer than you were going for, but but uh, but that's really what we were doing. And so, you know, in past weeks, I might have theorized that we were trying to get a bigger dime package out there, but it was really more about getting Maiden in and then the ripple that has across, uh, you know, across the rest of the, the rest of the position. Now, why? Um, and, and then I think, you know, why? Why couldn't you do that and keep shy in and? I think the answer to that was more along the lines of we wanted to get Daniel Wright some run as well. So I think it was just an interesting opportunity. We've talked about treating the the, the first part of the season as an extended offseason. I think that's a little bit uh, of what we saw on Saturday. I think next week, if you know we head head back into SEC play, we're going to see the dime that we saw against uh, uh, the start of the game against Duke. Well, I will tell you from 
you know, there was a few camera angles uh, pulled back from where you could see the Bama sideline. And, and on numerous occasions, you could see Josh Job with his helmet off pretty good distance, 20 yards away from the defensive coaching staff. You could tell he had no plans to play. And, and I will tell you, I'm not going to pick on Josh Job because uh, obviously he's done some good things. Um, but he is a sophomore, and Jared Maiden and Shai Carter are seniors. And Shai Carter played a lot. And I, I'm going to tell you that I think you're going to um, – I think Daniel Wright and Jordan Battle was, was just giving them some looks. Um, but you didn't see Christian Harris much, much in this game, okay? You saw Shane Lee out there a lot. But there were numerous times where they were doing a two-linebacker look. And and I think this speaks to depth, okay? And so, try not to give you a long answer back here, but Ben Davis and Chris Allen did not get any run, really, uh, early. And they they are the current backups behind Jennings and Terrell Lewis. But because it was hot out there, you didn't see Anthony Jennings and Terrell Lewis on the field together very often at all. It was like, Anthony's going to spell Terrell, Terrell's going to spell Anthony, and Shane Lee's going to be out there, and then we're going to put Xavier McKinney in the box with Shane Lee because we trust Xavier McKinney more than we do the other true freshman, Christian Harris. Take nothing away from Christian Harris, but I think it's more to do with Shy Carter and Jared and Jared Maiden are seniors. They've been in the system for a while, right? And they're physical guys. And so I think we are uh, masking our our linebacker situation uh, and manufacturing, you know, spelling these guys, and and it's the best guys on the field. So Jennings played half the game, and Terrell Lewis played half the game because, you know, we got to have them out there. Um, you get what I'm saying though. I'm like, like it seems like we're taking our our veteran players to mask our depth problem at both the Jack, the Sam, and the uh, inside linebacker positions. Yeah, and I think that's a little bit of what we talked about last week, right? Is is would we see more dime with maybe a walk up linebacker to to augment or manufacture depth at the linebacker position? And so the fact that we were mixing up personnel groupings and, oh, it just so happened that it's a four safety dime as opposed to, you know, a two safety uh, dime. I think intentionally or not, it does bring some of that size. It does bring more of, you know, you think of a corner type versus a safety type and a safety type is more like an outside linebacker potentially. Uh, and and so I, I don't think that's necessarily a coincidence. And so I think we're going to continue to see that type of, you know, depth manufacture. There was a point in there was a point in the game where we were in a dime position, and the uh, the Aggies went uh, and 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 I think you know intentionally the matchup they were going for was you know Shane Lee in coverage, and uh, admittedly he is not going to be our stronger our stronger linebacker in coverage. I think that's going to be Christian Harris, and so you know sort of the theory. Uh, and it's not often that we have a theory that we that we have, you know, a real live opportunity to test. But the theory I had in the stands was, you know, Shane Lee knows the playbook better. Uh, and I'd read enough to sort of, you know, figure that out. I think he understands the playbook better than Christian Harris. But Christian Harris clearly is the more athletic. 
And, uh, and, and again, not to sound toolish or anything, but I did have the opportunity to sort of vet that theory later in the evening. And that, and that's exactly, uh, that's exactly what, you know, the guy said is, you know, Shane Lee knows the playbook very, very well, uh, but he doesn't have the athleticism as a, as a Christian Harrison. And, you know, you would think that you would want Christian Harris out in the dime. And so that's going to be something to watch. I think as the season goes on as well, you know, mid season, last quarter of the season, does Christian Harris know the playbook better than, than today, such that he's the guy out there uh, in a dying position. And I think that helps sort of the rotation in depth as well, because then you don't have Shane Lee, you know, quote unquote, playing the full game. Uh, they can manufacture a little bit of depth for one another. Uh, and then I'll say this, you mentioned uh, 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 Christopher Allen. I was surprised that he got that he got run late. I, I figured that he would come in and spell uh, earlier. But then what we don't know is the lingering effects physically or mentally from his knee injury last last year in camp. And, and that's unknowable, and he's right out of year. And so it could be that he'll get, if indeed it's related to the injury, he'll get healthier and, and, and more sort of mentally comfortable playing on that on that knee as the season progresses. So I expect that we're going to see him come back into form and uh, he's going to have a good second half of the season. And that's just my prediction. Well, Christian Harris, Christian Harris, if he can progress, will spell Shane Lee. Because the fact that Shane Lee was playing all three downs as a true freshman, so he was in the game on first, second, and third down, and you didn't see Markel Benton, right? And you didn't see Jalen Moody, and you didn't see Davis, and you didn't see Allen. That's very telling to me, man. I mean, you got a true freshman who's being asked to be in their first, second, and third down right now. It's a, you know, 100-degree football game. And uh, to his to his credit, he was in there, and he was in there all three downs. And I, I think that's just very telling of the comfort level of even a Benton and a Moody, you know, to, to not be in that situation. So if Christian Harris is the guy to step up and they feel more comfortable for him than Benton or Moody later in the season – then Shane Lee's going to be on third down like, great, Christian, come on in. I'm happy to sit this third and nine out. You know what I'm saying? And then very quickly on your on your four safety dime, you know, I think Shy's a corner. I mean, Shy's a corner who's being asked to play safety. Uh, I think Shy came on last year and made some key plays. He made some key plays in that Georgia game that, that sealed that game. Um, I'm happy for Shy. I, I think really what we're seeing is, is we're seeing more of a three- while he's playing safety, him and Diggs and 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 Sertain were in there numerous times together. And so and then they were sticking, you know, Daniel Wright and Maiden and sometimes Jordan Battle. They were in that too deep part of the dime, right? Where they were back there in center field where they could use their athleticism and just kind of back up the play. But I but I think Shy Carter's versatility right now is going to help this defense. Yes, one hundred percent agree. Uh, when we did start and we did see, uh, we did see shy, you know, rotate in and, and actually play a couple of positions, uh, not only in the base nickel, but, you know, certainly in, in the dime as well. When we started the game, um, shy was out as was Job. And so Job, you know, clearly a corner and, and shy, a corner type, uh, you know, with certain and, and Trayvon, that's four 
you know, that's a four-corner dime, if you will. But with both of those guys out, we had Xavier, Battle, Wright, and Maiden, and I considered Maiden more of a safety uh, type, and so in a bigger safety type. And so the fact that he was kind of in at the star, I thought I, I thought was was interesting. But there was another point in the game when, and and for the life of me, I, I want to say it was Scooby Carter later in the game. Scooby Carter came in, and Shy was in, and Scooby was lining up, and he turned around to to look at Shy. You know, almost to confirm, am I in the right place? And Shy, you know, sort of like, yeah, you're good, you're good. And so I thought it was interesting that that Shy, you know, didn't get the start, but but came in and contributed and was showing not only his versatility but certainly his knowledge of the system because he was back in a position where he could help make sure people were lined up correctly. And you and I, you know, talked about this years ago with with Landon Collins, where he played, you know, nearly every position, and by the end of the season he was almost lined up at free safety so so that he could ensure that folks were lined up correctly and and we saw a little bit of, a little bit of that on uh from shy on saturday so i thought that was interesting i i really like and then it sort of begs questions because we're seeing people move around and different starters hey this is a great problem to have because we're not shuffling people in because no one can play we're shuffling people in because we have more talented people than we have you know, positions to play, even in a dime that, you know, everyone yeah, gets excited sure. about the wide receivers because there's so many of them. We've got that problem and, you know, air quotes problem, you know, with more names in more positions, it's a dime It's six people. And we've got seven or eight or nine people that can start in a dime. That is amazing. That is a wonderful problem to have. No, it is, and and I, I will speak to Christian Harris very quickly because I know we got to get get the game balls here. Uh, Christian Harris, you know how Bama on defense likes to, you know, they'll run 13, 14 guys on the field before the snap, and then two or three guys will run off. Christian Harris was in that collection numerous times. Okay, whereas uh, so 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 he was in consideration, you know, to be in on a lot of plays, um, and so I, I wanted to mention that. Um, and then also I just wanted to mention that, you know, the depth issue is also still an issue uh, at the defensive line position, right? We are just very thankful uh, that Raquan Davis, you know, came back because he wouldn't have been a first-round guy, but he would be playing on Sundays right now and would have made a 53-man roster. And so, you know, LeBron Ray, um, you know, I, I thought played very well in the game and um, and for – Raquan Davis didn't come out very much at all. Mathis spelled him a little, but there was numerous times that Raquan Davis was out there on all three uh, downs, and so was LeBron Ray. And so you know how we've had teams in the years past where we've asked a couple of these defensive linemen just to suck it up and be out there for all three downs? They were. And, um, you know, the, the credit to them is they were able to, to get these three and outs and get off the field so they could get a breather. But but we need these guys behind them to step up as the season progresses because we're going to be facing teams who are going to, you know, run 50 plays against us. And by the 50th play mark, these frontline guys are going to be sucking wind. So that I'm just – I'm very thankful our schedule lines up like it does where, where, where we really are going to, you know, be well into the season uh, before we kind of test what this team is, is really going to do this year. 
Yeah, and I wonder if there's not a little bit of lesson, and this sort of goes back into the, the Wayback Machine as well, but I wonder if there's not a little bit of lesson that Saban had. And, you know, when was it, you know, a couple of years ago, we played uh, a very close game against LSU, and the starters who had, who, who had starters on defense had mostly not played into the third, late into the third and fourth quarters, but against that LSU team, which we won that game, but they had to play, you know, 85 snaps, 84 snaps. And, you know, they had maybe played a max of 50 snaps uh, up to that point in the season. And the next week on a hot Saturday afternoon, uh, you know, the defense is just gassed and we drop a game to Johnny Manziel and and Texas A&M. So I wonder if there's not a little bit, and maybe I'm just manufacturing, you know, dots, but I wonder if there's not a little bit that says we need our starters to have full game fitness, right? Full game that they need to go in with the mindset that they're playing the full game. Not that we're going to get the lead and, and take them out, but they need to be ready and prepared mentally and physically to play the full game. And so I wonder if we didn't see a little bit of that. I don't know, but um, that's that's something that certainly from the stands, you and I both experienced, uh, and I think it was real then. I don't know how much of that that carries over, but certainly something Saban could be thinking about. Oh, absolutely. Well, what else do you have here before we uh, before we flip the field? Or for, what do you have? Uh, what else do you have on defense before we do mini sure. game balls? Yeah, you know, I got two maybe two little things. Um, <clears throat> you know, the youth on this team. Uh, you know, we talked about we're going to see a lot of the young guys come in uh, and and play, and so and this is true on both sides of the ball. But you know, the youth on the defense is really something to to behold. I think this defense is going to get better every week at the end of the season. I do think it's it's going to be just incredibly strong. There's going to be names that people don't know today that they'll know by the end of the season. And and even, you know, projecting out the next season, this defense is, is going to be loaded. Steven Wynn just looks incredible just in, you know, his movement uh, in, in the uniform on the field. He looks like a starter. I, I think that he's going to continue to, to get better. You know, you know, again, DJ Dale's already starting. You know, Christian Barrymore, probably a little more time in, in the weight room, but he's a big old fella, and 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 he was chasing down the quarterback on, on a couple of pressures, almost had him a, a couple of times. You know, we talk about Lee and Harris, but King, King Makuda, uh, number 30, true freshman, he really looks the part, uh, and, and he's going to be even more so uh, next year. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he takes over. Um, a, a Terrell, you know, Lewis or Anthony Jennings type position next year. I think he's really going to grow into the role. And then some of the secondary guys, we talked about Jordan Battle. Uh, DeMarco Hellams uh, had a number of plays on Saturday. Uh, I think he looked really, really good. And then uh, Scooby Carter, he's contributed in, in, in both games so far. He wears number 11. And and sometimes you just have just a – we've watched enough ball. Sometimes we just have a flashback when we see a – a player streak across the, the field. We see a number sort of streak across the field. And I just had a, a split second sort of moment where I said, what the hell's John Fulton doing out there? And uh, of course it was Scooby Carter uh, out there in coverage, but uh, I got a kick out of that. But some of these youngsters, um, man, it's going to be fun to watch these guys grow up. It really is. No, absolutely. Well, give me your mini game ball here or I can, I can start it off. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go Trayvon Diggs. Uh, I know, you know, he's he's not a mini game ball guy, but I'm giving it to him for a, a very specific play. Uh, the long the long sort of pass and catch that, uh, that New Mexico State had, 
Trevon Diggs uh, ran from uh, across the field. He was the corner on the opposite side of the field uh, that got the angle and made the tackle uh, just shy of the goal line. Uh, the Aggies went on to score a couple plays later, and uh, at that point, uh, Trayvon was taken out. looked like he had cramps on both legs. Uh, there was a trainer sort of lifting up both of his legs, stretching out both, uh, and and they could, you know, he couldn't even walk off the field. They had to, you know, sort of fire him and carry him off the uh, off the field. Uh, but it was clearly both because uh, they had there was a trainer working both of them, and uh, and I think I've read, you know, subsequently that that it was indeed, you know, cramps and and so hey, let's go get him on ice. Let's go get him hydrated. We don't need him for the rest of this game. So I think Trayvon's going to be okay. But um, but I'm giving my mini game ball for just the effort and tenacity that he demonstrated. He easily could have just let that go. We've seen guys do that that were closer to the play. But, you know, he may have ran 80 yards at an, at an angle across the field uh, to make the tackle, you know, at the five. And, you know, from where he was relative to where he started, no one would shame him if he just said, you know, that play's over. Uh, but he didn't, and and I think that's certainly something that they can show again and again and again on film, that that's what winning effort looks like. That is what winning effort looks like. And he can sort of chastise, you know, chastise is maybe not the right word, but he can really call out the defensive front, the front eight, you know, after Trayvon's effort, you guys gave up the score. You guys owe Trayvon more than that. And I think there's sort of a coaching uh, coaching point that can go into that as well. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to give uh, I'm going to give mine in the spirit of the game ball on the defensive side of the ball, uh, kind of like I did with uh, Devonta's catch, which just kind of jumped out at me. Uh, another play that jumped out at me is the uh, the freshman nose guard, uh, you know, wearing the big number 94 um, to you know uh, uh, seeing 94 at the nose guard position again is nice. But DJ Dale. Uh, you know, he he showed the redshirt freshman uh, starting center from uh, Arizona uh, how they grow them in Pinson, Alabama. Uh, and then also your Built by Bama comment plays into this. There was just one play in particular where DJ's lined up over the center, and as soon as the ball is snapped, he immediately has his hand on both of the guy's shoulder pads and just just literally does this this – very quick swim move to go right by him and is in the backfield chasing the quarterback down who's rolling to the right now, you know, fearing for his life. But he just made this move so quick. And um, and the center checks in at 6'4", 300. And so, you know, here's one 300-pound guy doing this to this other 300-pound guy that quickly. And uh, it was just impressive. And it was like, yep. That's why he's starting over, you know, some of his uh, older uh, backups uh, at the nose guard position, and uh, was just a was just a fun football play to watch. It was, and and you know, so it's easy to sort of get caught up following the ball, and and it takes a little bit of, and and I say I'm speaking to myself, it takes a little bit of eye discipline to focus on, you know, a lineman or an upfront guy, but but you know, you do yourself a disservice if you're not you know, getting some some eyes on DJ Dale for, you know, for a series or, or for a handful of plays because you're going to see that type of, of action. Uh, and, what's in, and what he sort of personifies is, you know, the Coach Saban recruiting machine. DJ Dale is a three-star player. And, and so you talk about, you know, he brings – Saban brings in all these five-star players, all these four-star players. And, and he does – 
But what he looks for, there's certain characteristics that he looks for at each position, and and this the star next to it doesn't always matter, right? And and you know, there's a little bit of overlap. You're looking for a certain level of athleticism. Well, those guys probably gonna be rated, you know, certain number of stars, especially at skill positions. But he's also looking for certain measurables and certain characteristics, you know, at every position. And and so you take a nose tackle type, um, you know, it's hard to get that guy a, a fifth star, a fourth and fifth star. But Saban saw something in this local kid that's a three star, and um, and it translates on Saturdays as a even as a true freshman, and it translated early, right? Because he was he was getting reps with the ones early in camp. And, uh, and it's exciting to see him translate that onto the field. So, absolutely. Well, and it's key, right? right? I mean, it, it's key, right? I mean, it's critical, right, for this for somebody to have stepped <laughs> yeah. up like this. And, and so, very quickly for the listeners, you know, we talk about all the coaching changes and all the crap he has to deal with uh, with defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, and we talk about all the guys leaving early. Well, right now, okay, you know, they didn't win the recruiting battle nationwide last year. Ho-hum. But you still got Shane Lee and DJ Dale to come in. And right now, they are true freshmen filling in the most important positions in two of the three levels of the defense. They are both in the middle. <laughs> DJ Shane Lee is behind DJ Dale, and look where we would be right now without those two guys. It's just huge. So... All right, so 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 talk to me talk to me about special teams real quick. Uh, the block in the back uh, on Waddle's touchdown, I went back and watched it a couple of times. Um, I do not think it was a block in the back. Uh, obviously, it's, I'm not doing home cooking here. Um, obviously, it wasn't a reviewable call. The guy was falling down, had lost his balance, and the Bama player, you know, went to like try to block him and so it looked from the from the refs that called the flag like it was blocking the back but it wasn't and I wish that guy this is that football intellect all he had to do was just pull his hands back like you see on kickoff returns right where the guy's like I didn't block him in the back my hands are up he pulls his hands back the guy falls on his own and it's a touchdown and so that that's one I'd like to have back for Waddle yeah, I I agree. You know, we talked last week about, you know, we're going to break one of these kicks. And and we were mostly talking about kickoffs, but, you know, it's true in the punting game as well. And so it was, it was funny to see that happen. Uh, and at the time, it, you know, how demoralizing was that to New Mexico State? Because, you know, Henry Ruggs, you know, did what he did. And then, you know, really close after that, you know, Waddle did what he did. And you think, man, they're scoring points and they're not – they don't really even yet have their offense on the on the field um, you know, it's, it's going to be a long day, but yeah, it was frustrating to see, you know, that flag, um, you know, you wish sometimes that, you know, they had sort of the opportunity to, to look at the fullness of the play, not just the instinct of, I see an arm out and a guy going down. So I'm deducing that, that he was knocked over and, you know, 18 out of 20 times, you know, 19 out of 20 times, that's, that is what happened. Uh, but you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it wasn't, and that that was that was the case there. Fortunately, it wasn't a play that sort of you know impacted the uh, the outcome of the game. But you know, it's always fun to see Waddle you know break loose, and uh, you'd like to see him get rewarded for it. What'd you make of? Well, talk uh, to me real quick of, about uh, Will Riker. Yeah. 
No, I was just going to ask you a question that you might be about to ask me. What did you think about DeLong uh, getting the getting the punting opportunity early uh, versus the true freshman who obviously had done everything in in week one? Yeah, I I don't think it, I don't think it's a surprise, right? You and I sort of questioned last week why wouldn't Skyler get a little bit of run and and you know we were only speculative in in our answer and I think you know midweek you know Saban said you know we're going to mix it up we're going to give um, you know, the other guy, uh, you know, an opportunity and, and, you know, Skylar had a long kick of 44. And so you want that to be the average, but he had a long of 44 and an average of 41, you know, will. And, and so he had three, you know, will had, you know, what he had a, a, a singular, uh, kick and it was 39. And so there's a little bit of kind of clustering in, in their performance, I think with his min is is you know all things being equal, if Saban still thinks Will is going to have the punting duties on a hot day when there's going to be a lot of kickoffs and a lot of PATs, uh, potentially a lot of field goals, I think he was looking for something that he could take off, you know, Will's plate, and so maybe it was a little bit of punting. Uh, and I don't say that that sounds derogatory towards Skyler. I think he wanted to give both guys an opportunity. Um, I don't think either guy seized it. But, you know, if we can get averages up near 44 and 45 uh, as opposed to longs, then I, that's, where, that's where we need to be. Oh, absolutely. Anything else for you on special teams? Yeah, you know, I would say, you know, Will Reichard, uh, so, some stuff you can't make up, right? And so last week he had a 48 and a 49, and he hit the left and right uprights. Saturday he had a 48 and a 49. You can't make that up, right? And and he kicked both of them through. And so it was really good to see that. He really does have a strong leg. I mean, there's almost a different sound uh, when when he boots the ball. And I tell you, the, da- the, the dangerous position to sit uh, at a Bama game these days are on that, that front second row at the end of the end zone because I think he kicked, you know, 9 out of 11, 9 out of 12, 8 out of 11, whatever it was, out of the end zone. And he's hitting – not just barely out of the end zone, but well out of the end zone. And somebody in that front row, if they're not paying attention, they're going to get Marsha Brady because that ball, he's going to get it up into the stands. And uh, that's going to be something to see because that's a that's a healthy-sized kick right there. No, that's awesome, man. Well, talk to me about South Carolina game. Obviously, you know, we're, we're venturing to Columbia. We haven't done this in a while. Uh, they obviously, you know, lost to North Carolina, who then turned around and beat Miami. Um, North Carolina did. You know, what do you, what do you think? What do you, what are you looking for in this Alabama South Carolina game? Yeah, you know what? And I'll say a little bit tongue in cheek because uh, we, you know, truly we never root for injury. Uh, but the fact that you know Jake Bentley, senior quarterback, is is not going to play Saturday. Um, you know, in the mystique of this game. Uh, is probably a good thing. The last two times that Alabama traveled to Columbia, and this goes back a little ways, but the last two times uh, Alabama made that trek, we faced a senior quarterback and dropped the game. And it was a senior quarterback that was just, you know, good enough to sort of have a name brand, like a Jank Bentley, but, you know, not a superstar. And so, was it Chris Petty? Um, this is years ago. Lou Holtz was the coach, and, and Fran was, was ours. Uh, and, and then, you know, in 2010, so we don't go there very often, but, but right. when we do, we struggle with senior quarterbacks and, you know, Steven, Steven Garcia, you know, back had in the, the game of his life. So, yeah. 
had the game of his life. And and ironically, we started that season against Duke, uh, blowing out Duke. And so there's a little bit of, hey, I'm en- enough of these parallels. I don't, I don't need to see any more <laughs> of these parallels. And so, you know, send Jake Bentley on a cruise or something. I don't want him hurt. But if he doesn't start the game, then I have a preference for that. Uh, I think they did, you know, really try to, you know, and it's really about trying to get reps and, and manufacture confidence. But gosh, did they really run up the score? Uh, I, I want to say it was Charleston Southern. I say it was Georgia Southern, yeah. Yeah, Charleston uh, Southern. They beat them Charleston seventy-two Southern. to ten. Yeah. Yeah, Charleston Southern. That's where I was going. Uh, and so, yeah, and I've, it's a little bit of that. You know, South Carolina. You know, it's a local sort of competitive team in that way, and so they want they want to do that. Uh, it's a little bit of we got to manufacture some confidence here because. Because uh, we don't, you know, because we lost it after losing to North Carolina the way they did. And, you know, with Alabama coming to town and, and starting a freshman quarterback, they got to have some confidence somewhere. It's going to be a long day. And so I think that's kind of um, I think that's kind of what's going to happen. I look at this as, you know, I think Alabama has the talent and, and you know, certainly the depth. And, and I think, you know, we got them sort of at the coaching position, too. I think it's maybe a 41-14 type game. Um and and but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, 17 to 7 at half or something like that. But uh I you know, I think Alabama wins. I think it's, you know, it can, it's convincing. It's a comfortable sort of SEC road game win. Uh but, you know, it's not going to be 50 or 60 like we've seen the first two weeks. Yeah, I was calling something like a 44-7. Uh, I think they're, you know, a touchdown's going to come from somewhere. South Carolina, but obviously, you know, what you what you were referring to at the quarterback uh is huge for Alabama right now, right? To to not have to um uh to not have to face him for the reasons you mentioned. And um it'll be you know, it'll be a um the good news is is they've already played in Atlanta, they've already done the road thing. You know, the, the you know, we started fourteen true freshmen against Duke, uh, which just goes to speak of, you know, all these players leaving when they do. And so uh, I'm, I'm excited that we had that opportunity in Atlanta, had these, you know, young guys able to get that under their belt. So now, you know, opening in the season, um, you know, in a hot game at 3.30 in South Carolina in the SEC, I think these guys are going to be up for it. And I think they're going to try to uh, put some points on them early. And that's no small thing, right? And and it's something that we don't talk about a whole lot, but that's it's not a small thing for – you know, the true freshmen, especially the true freshmen, some of them have never flown on an airplane. And, 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 and so to, you know, to get that trip, um, I don't know if we bust to Atlanta, but we're certainly, I think, going to fly, certainly going to fly to South Carolina. And so to get some of the travel out of the way, you know, the, the hotel and the buses and the meeting rooms and everything is different and it's a first time experience. And so you get some of that out of your, out of your system, uh, you know, against, against Duke and get it out of your system early. Uh, I think I think that's I think that's good, and I think that you know I don't think that contributes necessarily to the freshman playing better, but if it gets them if it helps them to sort of focus on the game, that's great. And then you know, look, South Carolina's I mean we're predicting a big scores. It's going to be a physical game, you know, at least early. I think we both think Alabama's the better team, and and I don't think that's any surprise. I think Vegas has it, you know, a, a three touchdown game, a twenty one point game. So we're probably you know bet me over on that if we were, but I, you know, it's no small thing that they get sort of those, just all the new stuff, just get it out of the way as early as you can. 
I think there's value to that, and and, and certainly we we experience that with this being our second road game. Oh, there's going to be a couple of big plays that's going to help this 44 point total because obviously you know he's not going to want to embarrass Will Muschamp, and so if he can walk away and win this game 31 to three or 31 to seven, he'll be just fine with that. Yep, I agree. I agree. Anything else you've got for the listeners? You know, I'm going to throw. Um, I'm going to. I you and I talked before the game, and there were a couple things that that I might sort of layer in at, at future times. I'm going to throw a, just a big kind of curve out there. If you if if our listeners have been watching ABC, especially football on ABC, there has been sort of a mad ad campaign for a new show called Stumptown, and I just want to endorse that show. The guy Stumptown is a new show on ABC, and it's based on a comic book series. I went to the I went to high school. One of the most creative people that I know. I went to high school with one of the co-producers, uh, one of the co-sort uh, of writers on the comic book. And so that has been optioned for a TV show, and it's a TV show starting this fall on ABC. ABC. So the guy who sort of originated the Stumptown, Stumptown cartoon, I went to high school with him. And so I just say, hey, go support him and support his show. Honestly, I don't know if it's going to be any good, but I hope it's a success. Uh, for the sake of Matt, uh, Matt Southworth, you can look him up. And uh, and so I'm just kind of excited. You know, someone you know is having that kind of uh, success opportunity. So I just want to share the word on this little platform that I have. Go support the show for the sake of supporting my buddy Matt. That's awesome, man. That that means you're that means you know famous people. I'm honored <laughs> just to be doing these freaking podcasts with you, man. That's right. That's what I get for letting you close out the show every every week. And see that that's what got you this damn notoriety. All that you know, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. See, I got mine out now before you did yours, but that's, that's what right. happened, that's man. Right. I, I just let you get too big of a star too early. It's all good though. Man. I am not a big star, <laughs> dude. You are a star. I, I felt in the like making, one Saturday man. night. I'll tell you that because uh, I, I so so now I, there's another little story that I'll tell. When Tommy and I were students, uh, I'm gonna tell the Krispy Kreme story. When uh, when uh, Tommy and I were students, we were doing a just tell a portion of the Krispy Kreme story, please. You don't have to do the whole Krispy Kreme story; just do a part of it. Well, I don't know which part to leave out. Uh, so, at any rate, we end up at Krispy Kreme after uh, you know studying well into the evening. I don't know what time it is. It's like two thirty in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, and uh, and these cars start showing up, and these sorority start sorority girls start getting out of the car. And within, I don't know, within like two minutes, there's like 30 or 40 sorority girls all like, you know, to the nines, uh, you know, apparently a crush party or something had let out and they all went to Krispy Kreme at, you know, three o'clock in the morning. And Tommy and I just kind of looked at each other and said, well, I don't know, maybe we died in the, died in a car wreck on the way to, on the way to Krispy Kreme because holy cow. And so I had a similar experience Saturday night, uh, like, like a middle-aged version of that. Uh, a middle-aged sports fan uh, version of that. And so uh, so I'm hanging out at this sort of watering hole after the game, and uh, a guy from the football department comes and sits down. And so I, I, I'll kind of leave it at that. But some interesting things that, that he and I talked about. And, um, and until he leaves, and I'm continuing to watch the LSU-Texas game, and, uh, you know, not five minutes later, a uh, guy comes and sits down and, 
and you know, two guys at the bar, we start talking talking football and talking menu and and uh, you know, looking at the game on on the TV and and it turns out it's Chris Jans who's the basketball coach at New Mexico State. And so we're sitting there talking a little bit of basketball, not my sport. I don't know a whole lot about it, but a little bit of basketball, a little bit of football. And then, uh, you know, over my shoulder, sitting at one of the tables, having dinner with his family is, uh, you know, Matt Stinchcomb, like you said, the, the, the SEC guy. And I'm sitting there like, this is crazy. Um, no one's going to believe me that this is happening. Uh, but uh, that was a pretty neat experience Saturday night, so. So next time, Absolutely. next time you got to be there, man. Absolutely, man. But I see, see, you were you that you were getting uh, those good vibes because you had gone and supported the team and done a better job of me of sitting in the hundred degree heat for that football game, and uh, so you were getting rewarded uh, for your you know for your dedication uh, to the team on Saturday. So I'll I'll absolutely take it. All right, man. We'll we'll send us out. Send us out. Hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Thanks for listening and roll tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.